Welcome to day 148 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Esther chapters 4 and 5. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. In chapter 4, somehow Mordecai comes to know the plot of Haman, including all its secret details. Mordecai mourns in public by fasting and putting on sackcloth and ash. The text says that the Jews of Susa joined him in his fasting and weeping. When Esther hears about Mordecai's condition, she tries to send him clothing, which he does not accept. She sends one of her eunuchs in the court to Mordecai to find out what is going on. Through the messenger, Mordecai reveals to Esther all that is taking place, including a copy of the edict. Mordecai gives her instructions. Go to the king, beg him for mercy, and intervene for her people. If only things could be that easy for Esther. The law specifies that no one, even the queen, may enter the king's presence without being summoned under the threat of death. And she had not been summoned for at least a month. Perhaps her days of favor with the fickle king are over. Mordecai's response to Esther's apprehensions are direct. Although her ethnic identity is currently hidden, it will not remain that way forever. She too will be caught up in the annihilation of her people. The heart of Mordecai's encouragement and the most famous verse in the book appears in verse 14. Even though Mordecai is confident that God, in his faithfulness, will intervene on behalf of his people, who knows, perhaps it was for such a time as this that God has placed Esther in her position of influence. These words apparently capture Esther's heart and her imagination. She tells Mordecai to ask the Jews to turn their fast from mourning into one that intercedes on her behalf. In three days, she will risk everything and enter the king's presence. As chapter 5 opens, the three days are up and Esther is standing in the king's inner court. The first time Esther stood in the inner court before the king, she was taken there by others. But this time, Queen Esther stands before him of her own accord. The people's prayers are apparently answered when the king signals his receptiveness to Esther's presence by holding out to her the royal scepter. The king, in his typical over-the-top extravagance, offers to Esther up to half his kingdom. Ingeniously and savvy to the king's ego, Esther doesn't ask him for anything yet, but rather offers him something. She requests that the king and Haman attend a feast she has prepared for them. Perhaps playing into the king's love of extravagance, one feast is not enough, so Esther invites them to attend another feast tomorrow, at which she will reveal what she desires from the king. As he leaves the intimate meal with the king and queen, Haman is described as happy and high in spirits. His happiness quickly ends when he encounters Mordecai, who still refuses to pay him the honor he expects. In a rage, Haman sends for his wife and friends, and in their presence he breaks into a big brag session about his high position and the honor extended to him by the queen. But in a manic reversal of mood, he declares that it's all meaningless because of the mere presence of Mordecai and his offense against him. Haman's wife offers the perfect solution, have Mordecai executed and impaled publicly in the morning, and then Haman can go and attend the great banquet with joy. So he sets out to do just that. Haman embodies the ugliness of the sin of envy and jealousy. He cannot live in gratitude for what he has, but can only focus on the one thing that is not his. He has convinced himself that he cannot be happy until he has the one thing that will bring him satisfaction, even if the quest for that one thing will mean his own demise. In contrast, Esther has found her life not in what she can possess, 
but in the purpose her life will fulfill. It's important theologically to recognize the confidence of Mordecai in the text. He's confident that God will fulfill God's plan. One way or another, God will bring about his purposes. However, Esther has been invited into that great redemptive plan. Though Esther's not indispensable to God's plan, neither is Esther dispensable. She has been given the gift of such a time as this, in which to discover the joy of participating in God's great work of salvation in the world. Perhaps God has one of those moments for you also, and perhaps that moment is now. So read these texts carefully, looking for things you've never seen before. Journal some of your thoughts, prayers, and questions. And we discover more of Esther's divinely sanctioned mission tomorrow. We're reading chapters 6 through 8, and we're adding Psalm 63. I'll talk to you tomorrow.